0: Well, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of our Full Life viewers out there. And that's exactly what we're gonna do today. We're gonna celebrate the Christmas season and our season one finale. So stay tuned. And welcome back to the season one finale of The Full live. We're so happy you're joining us for this big, grand celebration. And that really is the theme of this season. Uh, God, out of the pandemic, brought this idea to fruition and in a way that I could not have really predicted. I mean, his vision was a whole lot bigger than mine. Uh, and I'm so grateful and prayerfully hopeful that we followed his vision along the way. Let the festivities begin. Hey, yes, oh, man. I think we need some holiday cheer this year. We're going to bring in the holiday cheer because Christmas, the joy and peace of Christmas doesn't go away even in the middle of a
1: pandemic. Oh, yes. um, so true.
0: So- <laughs> That's right, especially now. <laughs> So speaking of which, you know, what is Christmas looking like this year for everyone? And what have you guys done in the past? What are some traditions you guys have done throughout the years? One of the things that our church does
2: every year is a Christmas Eve service. So that's just really, really neat because um, one of my favorite things that we do as a church is we kind of sing Silent Night with acoustic guitar. And we cut off all the lights and then pass the light to each other. Um And the kids get glow sticks um, and then they get to open presents that are from us. You know, this year, though, I have a friend who wrote um, a Christmas book um, of which I think I'm in the the I haven't been seeing the book yet, but I think I'm on the inside. It's like one of the people who helped or something. Um, so we're going to start reading that book because she's trying. Um, it's called The Manger Mission. So it's oh. like a new tradition that um, I saw some families do it. But like in my community, we never grew up doing it. So we're I'm excited to see what that looks like for us this year. Um it's a really, really cute story um, about the wise men who come and visit Baby Jesus. And so yeah, so check out Manger Mission, because that's what we're gonna be trying this year too, I think. So
0: yeah, very nice. I that's love cool. it. Nice. It's great. Carolyn.
1: We're all about family, fun, <laughs> fellowship, singing. Um, You know, I just think Christmas, that's what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, of course, it's all about Jesus. But I think it's coming together with all those great foods that I don't know about you all, but we only cook that once a year. And so it's fun getting to have that once a year thing that you're like, oh, I can't wait. And then we wonder, why do we not make it all year long? Because it's so easy, but it's so good. And so we do a lot of cooking. My kids, we bake. We're very, you know, we're always talking about cooking because we're always in the kitchen. So we're making cookies. We do a cookie exchange. One year, I think I had a cookie exchange with over three thousand cookies. Wow! Um, It was so fun. We had cookies. You you just wanted to puke sugar by the time. (laughs) It it was a cure for sugar. Um, And then we do a lot of just things. You know, we love to go to church on Christmas Eve. And then, um, we do the pickle. We hide the pickle in the tree. Oh, and it's so fun. So you have, it's your last thing you do. Somebody hides the little pickle somewhere in the tree and you can either be obvious or not obvious. It doesn't, you know, it depends on the age of the kids. I like to make it a little tough because it's fun for all of us just to giggle at people find. And, and then we have like an extra little gift or a gift card or something. And I mean, the kids. I'm telling you, it can take them sometimes 30 minutes, and they are all over that thing.
0: I can relate on the food because the, our our tradition is the the Italian tradition of doing the seven fit seven different fish on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I was with wondering, you wondering, last year. Yeah. yeah,
0: it is. Well, it, it's it's. I believe it's the seven sacraments coming from the Catholic tradition, of, okay. and, and you do one for every every one of the sacraments. Um, And so we continue to do that. And actually, Jenny was at our our Christmas Eve last year. It'll probably be a little smaller this time, but probably no smaller in the food. I'll just eat more this time.
1: (laughs) Do so you make fish different ways each
0: night, or is it a different? Well, at like Christmas Eve, you make seven different ones, and you know, you like you could do like shellfish, you know, like shrimp and scallops and stuff. you okay. could put some in the same sort of, you know, sometimes we put some in the same soup or whatever. So you know, it's not seven dishes. It used to be.
3: Nina cooked up a storm last year, though. She just kept on cooking. She was
4: pregnant, and she was just like. <laughs> Holding the baby in one arm.
0: Karen, how about you?
4: This year, because we can't be with family, we uh, my son lives in Texas and he's flying in town. And um, we rented a a cabin up in Big Bear and we bought like the same pajamas this year because we've been so isolated and away from each other a lot that we thought, hey, we're going to come together and just go up to Big Bear and you know, our small family and um and do family time together. So I'm really, really excited about that. So I guess this will be the first year of tradition of having the pajamas with that look alike that I see everyone else do. So we're doing it this year and I'm excited about it.
3: I like the Christmas Eve service. More than almost anything um, throughout the holidays. So, we as pastors have continued that tradition. We're going to have one this year. Um, We're going to do it on the front lawn of our house because we don't have a building and we can't let, you know, we can't get in anywhere. So, we're going to keep it outside and we're going to light the candles, Hank, just like you were talking about. I love the lighting of the candles um, and singing Silent Night. That is just right there. That's Christmas for me right there. And then, Christmas morning was so traditional. We'd have our stockings and then we would have um, strawberries with kiwi and brown sugar. Cause it's red and green and cream. Oh, wow. And then this thing called, yeah, it's really kind of pretty. You circle the kiwi with the strawberries. It's really good. Um, and then we have this thing that has been tradition in our family for years called eggs, a the goldenrod. And there's discussion between family members. And when I say family, I mean, aunts, uncles, everybody, whether it's eggs on a goldenrod or la. our family says Allah, some say Anna, and it's just this really wonderful egg dish. I think it came from Czechoslovakia um and it's this it's always you know no matter what when i worked on cruise ships my mom made it froze it and got it to me so i could have it christmas morning And i was in the crew like you know mess like heating it up so i could have it so i've never gone to christmas without eggs all a golden rod for breakfast um so we do that yeah so we're really traditional on christmas and uh, then a big christmas dinner brian's new tradition is he makes uh, he makes beef wellington on christmas and so that's our christmas Dinner. We have a very British, we have Yorkshire pudding and uh, Beef Wellington, and it's it's fun.
0: How very Dickens of you.
3: It is, yeah. It's, it's such a typical actor <laughs> thing, though, to do, isn't it? I'm is. like, it hey, nice. British Christmas, it feels appropriate. You know, mushy peas and whatnot.
0: Well, before <laughs> we reflect on the season, I think we had one other person who wanted to join us and talk about maybe some of the traditions he's uh Doing this season, and maybe some reflection on what he's thinking about for Christmas. So come on in. Surprise number
5: one. Hello. Hey,
6: Josh. How you guys doing? Hey, Good.
5: Man. How you doing?
6: Doing well. I think think this funner's the show's funner to watch behind the scenes than it is. Uh,
3: <laughs>
5: so glad so to, so right to be here, you. man.
6: Joseph, we love you. You're amazing. Uh, my mama's here. I tried texting you to. To throw you off, but you didn't see my text. No, I didn't. didn't And you were
3: supposed to Facetime me last week. I do believe I sent you a message. (laughs) I'm I'm happy to see your face right
0: now. I swore him to secrecy. (laughs) (laughs) You did. So, so Josh, what traditions are you doing with your family?
6: Traditions—they really changed when I married into the Polynesian uh, Mm. family with my wife, Justine. Um, Traditions for our family—just me, my two brothers, and my parents at home—and you know, do gifts. Always, one, one thing we always do, you always sleep by the fireplace. That was kind of the, the thing. I don't know if you can see my uh, electronic fireplace here. It's just going to have to do this year. But um, with with my wife's family, COVID has tried to uh, put a dampener definitely on the parties because we'd, we'd have family gatherings of close to 100 for, for her celebrations. So yeah. we're uh, having to do multiple ones that are, are smaller um, so we can see everybody. So it's going to be a very, very busy day but uh, very excited for, for the holiday.
0: And what are you reflecting on this year uh, for the message of Christmas after this, the year we've had?
6: You know, I think for me, I, I've been very grateful for the freedom that we do have. I think COVID made us, um, depending on the state you were in, but especially here in the Northwest and in Washington, I know California, where a lot of you guys are from, was similar, but so many things were taken away and, you know, so many so many rights that we had or freedoms that we had, you know, for the sake of safety were removed. And I think today I'm still thankful that, first of all, we have the right to worship and to serve God and to, to praise. Um, I'm thankful that I have a wife and I have children and a, a beautiful home to live in. I'm thankful that, you know, my bills are paid and there's food on the table. I think I'm, I'm more thankful for the simpler things uh, I remember a few weeks ago when we had our Thanksgiving service, we, we kind of talked about how being grateful is not about what's external. That's not a comparison game, um, that someone's lack shouldn't be my reason for gratefulness. And then we also talked about how it shouldn't be internal, that it's not based on how I feel and maybe denying a problem so that I can choose to be grateful. But, but gratitude really comes out of what's eternal. And I think that's what Christmas is all about, is we celebrate Jesus, who is eternal. And through this entire problem and this entire life that we're in and this season of COVID that we're in, we have an eternal savior, Jesus Christ, who is incredible. He's risen. He's alive. And he is, he's got our best interests in mind. And as I look to 2021, uh, we look, we look forward to that.
0: Yeah. Amen. Well, I have to give one more plug for Revive Cares up in the Seattle area because Josh is doing some amazing work, taking care of the community around him, as well as feeding them through a church and worship. He's feeding, actually feeding them every week, feeding their everyday needs. And that is truly the hands and feet of Christ. And that is the message that we are called to do. So thank you for that work, Josh, again, and thank you for joining us today.
6: Hey, thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing, and we love uh, Full Life TV, and we wish you the best in season two, three, four, and 20 and 25. So, God bless. Okay.
0: <laughs> Take
7: care. Merry love Christmas. You. Merry Christmas to all of you. It's an honor to be on another episode of The Full Life Christian.
8: I'm Arlena Graves, and I'm so glad to be with you.
7: It seems impossible that we are celebrating Christmas 2020. When the majority of us have been coping with being quarantined for the last eight months with the feeling of time standing still. I've been thinking a little
8: bit about what's giving me hope, not just thinking about it, enacting it in my life. And I could say that in these uh, weird times uh, that seem to give us bad news after bad news, uh, I don't want to deny any of that, but I've been focusing on goodness, on Everyday people, people around me, people in history, church saints, uh, people in scripture, um, anywhere I can find goodness, I zone in on that
7: to remember that there is goodness. This is a time of rejoicing, not because of our circumstances, but because of the true meaning of Christmas. One of the greatest tradition is gift giving because God gave his son.
8: And so I focus on Jesus and how he had hope and grace in who he is and in the message that he offered to other people. And that is what is sustaining me right now. Jesus leveled the playing field, all can come to the table um, and be with Christ. And that gives me hope. I'm not left out.
7: This Christmas may not seem as joyful as others. We are living in difficult times People are without jobs, and many have lost loved ones. Let me encourage you to hold on to the promise that was brought forth that Christmas Eve when the angels proclaimed, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. Oh, my friends, hold on to hope, hold on to peace, to joy, and to love.
0: Amen. One of the great blessings of this whole season has really truly been getting to know so many wonderful people that we've got to talk with over the season. Uh, Certainly more than I ever thought we would ever start with. And they have all been so generous. And as you can see, they're still being generous with their time and their message to all the viewers out there. Um, And now it's time for us to have our reflections about the Christmas season. We certainly know that this year, it looks a little unique. We've been talking about it the whole season, but out of it came this. And so we, we wanna focus now on the Christmas season and the messages that we talk about in the Christmas season, the season of hope, the season of peace, the season where Jesus, the greatest gift, came into the world. So I'm gonna toss to our wonderful panel and let's talk about you know, what are you reflecting on this Christmas season, as Josh mentioned earlier, Uh, let's see, Carolyn,
1: you know, I just so agreed with Josh. I think this year, um, just focusing on what we're grateful for, you know, I mean, I think this year I, I'm more grateful than ever just for, um, the relationship with Jesus Christ, that no matter what everything looks like around me, that it is my hope, my rock, um, all other ground is sinking sand that kind of feeling and really just thanking God for my family, for close friends. I cannot believe the blessing that God has given us just with incredible friends this year that have just uh, supported us and um, loved us just building those relationships. You know, I think sometimes we live so guarded. So I think I'm just simplifying my life and really bringing it back to those basic things in every day, just trying to write down like we did at the beginning of this year of five things every day that I just want to focus on of the blessings of God, things that those but God moments, those manna moments, and, and and not be ashamed of Jesus Christ.
3: You know, there's been, yeah, a lot to reflect on um, because it, it's been interesting to me to watch people this year. Mm-hmm. And I thought about my behavior in the past. And I don't know about all of you guys. You you know, you can tell I'm pretty fiery. Um, so I don't know if you've ever experienced where you were super fired up and angry and worked up about something and like this. And then when it was over, you kind of felt stupid or embarrassed. Anyone else? I don't know. Maybe it's just me where you're really mad in the situation. <laughs> okay, I'm the only one. No, no, no. If I you're Italian, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's no way you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But when you have that kind of thing and then when you when it gets calm, you kind of go, well, that escalated quickly. You know, (laughs) and I think about Silent Night, as you know, Hank was mentioning earlier, we share that same love of Silent Night on Christmas Eve and that moment where we bring the light in. And, you know, I think this year there was a lot of people that got really worked up really angry, really fiery. And that's not to say that we're not supposed to have righteous indignation, that we're not supposed to fight for what we believe in. I'm not saying that, but I think there's been a lot of people focusing on what they can't do as opposed to what they can. And, you know, like I said before, for me, Christmas has been busy, you know, services and productions and go, go. And, and I like that. I'm used to that. That's something I do love, but I also look at it and go, there's a beauty in stopping in that, Silent night in that pause. Um, Brad Curry, who is the the husband of Corey, she was on our program with us. He did this message once on a Christmas special that they did and he called it Sela. And he showed this example of a French press and that when the coffee, the longer it sat in the French press before you pressed it down, the richer, the more bold, the uh, the better flavor it had. And he said, if we could all take that Mm Selah, that pause, And I think that's something God is giving us this season. Sure, we want to do and we want to go and we want to be busy, but what a blessing. I teach that all the time with Shabbat, that God gave us this gift to stop, to say to pause, to have that silent night. So my reflection this year is, have I allowed myself enough of those silent nights?
4: What Holy Spirit dropped in my heart last week and just gave me this prophetic utterance is to not doubt our hope. And it came out of me just really just going back and looking at the life of Abraham. And when we think about Abraham, all that he had to endure, all that he had to go through, not only was he a man of faith, but he was a man of hope. And last week, guys, I was just, I, I came into the uh, portion of scripture over in Genesis chapter 22. And I began to look how when Abraham had to go take his son, um, to be, you know, to, to, to really make him as a sacrifice. And, you know, scripture says that, um, in, Oh, when we look at it, it, you know, God says, take your only son, you know, the son that you love. When we look at that over in Genesis 22, then when you look at it again, the angel shows up and he says, you know, once again, the son that you love and, I, I thought about in Scripture how, when we think about in Colossians chapter one verse twenty-seven, part B of that, it says, "Jesus Christ, the hope of glory." And what Holy Spirit was really reminding me is, "Karen, I am that hope." He says, "So, so remind my people and remind yourself. Don't doubt." your hope, because I am that hope. And when we look over and we see Genesis 22, and we look in at verse two, and I think then at, and again at verse 12, when the angel shows up and says, you know, there is a sacrifice, you know, the, you know, there is a sacrifice there, there's a ram in the ticket, the thicket. And then you go back and you think about how over in John three sixteen, when, when we look at at it in Genesis, that's the first time that you will see a father will acknowledge the love towards his son. And then that's in the Old Testament. But when we go and we look over in the New Testament and John 3:16, God said, God says that he sent his only begotten son and he sent his son, Jesus, to save us. He sent his son, Jesus, to give us hope. And we know in scripture how it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And Holy Spirit was reminding me, Karen, a lot of my peoples' their heart is sick. But I want to encourage you to encourage Mm. them to not doubt their hope. Just as we saw a prophetic picture of Jesus Mm. Christ and when Abraham took his only son, the son that he loved, we know that it wasn't his only son because he had Ishmael beforehand, but that was, the, that was the promise. And many people have been standing, trusting when's the promise? When is it going to happen for me? And, and I, I just feel like the Lord is saying, don't doubt, don't doubt hmm. your hope. Your hope is in me, Jesus Christ the hope of glory. He came to set us free. He came to deliver us from the things that wanna keep us bound. And this year, like never before, I mean, my heart breaks, is I see so many people in the body of Christ that are losing hope. Hmm. That Jesus is just who he says that he is, that he was born in a manger. We're, you know, during this Christmas time, we go back to the beautiful Christmas story that he came to save and to seek those that are lost. So when we're in a season when life is not handing us the deal that we want, or when we're in a season when our political person, you know, wasn't chosen or was chosen, whatever it is when there's racial uprise going on and just confusion in the body of Christ, let's go back and let's not doubt our hope.
2: I think the idea that heaven comes down makes it a little bit easier to get through the day-to-day, whether or not you feel like you're in heaven, or for some of us, Gehenna, Sheol, whatever you want to call it, um, that 2020 has been, Um, this deep, deep darkness for some of us, Um, but heaven always comes down. Uh, Christ always meets us. And I just think that's amazing and that's beautiful. I think one of the things that is just amazing about our Christ is that the gospel never changes. I think for for us, we sometimes um, tend to only look at the gospel as a cross, but it's not. And I think the early Christians can really help us um, have a more full picture of what gospel means, right? The good news is that the God who spoke the world into existence, you know, came down to save us. Um, The good news is that Jesus didn't just come down and die, but he lived and showed us how to live and love, to please God, how to live and love, um, to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Um, That anything we've gone through, it's not just, oh, Jesus went through it through. But I mean, one of the things I've been trying to encourage people is there's nothing you're feeling that God hasn't healed literally millions of people from. There's no situation you've been in that God hasn't helped millions of people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the things the devil tries to tell us is that we're alone or we're by ourselves. Um, We're billions strong. And that's just the Christians who are alive right now. Um, That doesn't speak to the numbers who've lived um, or the numbers to come. And so we are not alone. So I think that full gospel of heaven always coming down that Jesus left heaven to come to earth, to to show us how to live and love. Yes, he died, but that same one who died was resurrected and raised on the third day. Um, And now he's working on heaven until it's perfect for us. I mean, this world is still God's creation and it's beautiful and there's so many beautiful aspects of it, including us as people, but he spoke all that into existence, spoke it. Yet heaven is being prepared, right? No matter what we're feeling, our father is our home. No matter how far apart we feel away from God, he's still carrying us. And praise God for Jesus, you know, but also praise God for the blessing of each other. Um, I know it's going to be hard for some people this holiday season because we're not going to be with family members. So that feeling of being alone is going to be real, you know. Um, But take a deep breath and be reminded that you're not alone because the spirit lives inside of you. You're not alone because Jesus is in front of you. You're not alone because your father's carrying you you're not alone cuz you know the rest of us are all around you whether or not we're physically there you know we are the body of christ so we're with
0: you well when Amen. i'm thinking of this overwhelming year in a lot of respects as we celebrate the birth of jesus into the world i i want to be overwhelmed by that feeling by that presence of God coming into the world and really touching the world as we celebrate through Christmas. And what, to that effect, one of the songs that has really spoken to me was actually from a new artist. Uh, her name is Bren and she happens to be a family friend and and uh, the woman who's helped us raise our children as well and and mold them into the wonderful kids that they've become. And so I'm so grateful and honored, that she would share her her song in her first ep album seasons i believe this one is called fall but the message of it just speaks to me so much in this christmas season so here for you now Oh. Mm-hmm. And other streaming platforms talk about creating a culture and environment that song did it for me and that is exactly what our friend of our show seth Dahl, talks about in his new book raising spirit-led kids it's all about the culture we create in our homes welcome back seth hey guys hi joseph yeah. good to you see you. welcome back thank you good to be back So the first thing I wanna talk about is you talk about in the book, the first church being the home and how the parents need to sort of create that environment, as I said, and not just necessarily rely on exterior forces like church. And you give sort of a three-step process to that. And I wanted to take it, you can take it from there. I wanted to get into that.
9: The three things I talk about in creating like a culture in the home an atmosphere in the home, and environment, the just the culture that we have in our homes is demonstration, experience, and reflection. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's prayer or reading the Bible. When we demonstrate that to our children, they're getting exposed to what we want them to be exposed to, to a, a Christian life, the, the, the normal Christian life. So prayer, worship, reading the Bible, um praying for sick people giving money to homeless people on the side of the road all that kind of stuff generosity the the things that sort of make up a christian life we want to demonstrate that for our kids i think a lot of times in western uh in our western mindset a lot of times we we're like we try to just teach rather than demonstrate and so for me Mm -hmm. demonstration is super important you know my kids see me pull over to the side of the road Talk to the homeless man, give him some money, pray for him, ask them if they want to say anything to him, what they want to pray for him. It's like now they've now that now I've shown them what it looks like. We saw this man on the side of the road with no legs. Like he was in a wheelchair, no legs. We said, Guys, look at this. We we let's go help him. We wrangled up all the cash we had. We pulled over, we walked over to this guy, we said, Sir, what's going on? He just tells us this story, like Guy has no legs, his kids in jail, all kinds of horrible stuffs happening to him, and we give him all this money. I think I don't know. We gave him whatever we had. It was a good amount, and we just said, "Sir, can we pray for you and your family?" And so we just laid hands on him right there. My my kids were there. I'm holding my son. I think we're praying for this man. My daughter's got her hands on him, and um, it was really strong. Well, we leave and we get in the car, and I felt overwhelmed with the love of God. You know, how sometimes you just go pray for someone and then you feel God's love for them. So we started talking about it. And I and I just was talking to my daughter, like, what did you sense? What did you feel when we were praying for him? And she said, I feel like I care so much for him. I I, I felt love. I said, oh, you, you were feeling God's love for him. That's how God feels for this man. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we demonstrated mm-hmm. it. We gave her the experience and then we discussed it and helped form a mindset around what she experienced, what she felt, how she thought afterwards. We're taking what just happened from the eternal realm into this one and we're putting language around it, putting thoughts around it so that it builds eternity internally inside of her. And so, you know, those for me, those are the three elements that we need to create to create our homes to be the churches.
1: I love hearing you say that. My my dad was homeless and I think that it put something in me to realize that these people are human beings. Yeah. And you know, we need to treat them just because life has been whatever it has been to them and whatever they've gone through. We still need to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? And I think that is just so powerful. And it's neat because I just saw my daughter the other day. She went to school and I gave her $10. She had to do something for five. And she said, mom, the extra $5, can I find out if somebody can't afford to go and give it to them? Wow! And I thought, you know what? This is what it's all about. Yeah. And I said, you bet. So I love hearing that. You say one of the keys to parenting is uh, having no idea what we're doing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, hallelujah, <laughs> I'm okay to be a parent then. Yeah. So can you explain to us what does that really mean?
9: I mean, what it doesn't mean is that we don't learn and grow and 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 develop ourselves. Like we do want to know, we want to learn and we want to grow and we want to actually have an idea what we are doing. But What I mean by it is we actually want to preserve that dependence on God. You know, sometimes as soon as we start thinking we know exactly what we're doing, then we don't actually lean on God anymore. We don't seek him for for his wisdom, for his input. And so we want to live in that place where we're dependent on the Holy Spirit, dependent on the Father, dependent on Jesus to teach us, to guide us, to direct us. We don't ever want to get in that place where we think, oh, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Not a big deal. And we and we little by little without realizing it, leave no room for God to speak to us. Leave no room for him to guide us. And so that's kind of the posture I'm going for. It's more of a heart deal of like, you know what? And and with parenting, it's funny because like, you know, you figure out what you're doing with the baby and then they turn into a toddler and you're like, well, this is new. I have no idea what's going on here. Good. That's a good spot. Why? Because you'll say, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Help, teach me. What do I do now? We have access to the Father. We have access to the, the Father of all spirits, yeah. the Father of everything. He's so available to us. And when we think we know what we're doing, we stop accessing the one that knows everything. And, and that's the place I want I want to personally stay. Yeah. And that's the place I think I want parents to stay is like, it's okay to not know what you're doing.
3: I'd love to hear your perspective on the difference between discipline and punishment, even if, if there is a difference yeah. and how we can guide, you know, as parents that way.
9: First John 4, um, 418 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear Involves punishment. So this is a massive scripture. Like,
10: wow. I think
9: some people don't realize how important this is, but this verse is crazy because it's basically saying if I have punishment present in my home, then love is not present because punishment's a part of fear and perfect love casts out fear. So if I have love in my home, punishment will not be present love will be. So if punishment's present, love is not there. And if God is love, then if I'm introducing punishment into my relationship with my kids, I'm pushing God out. A scary thing. And so here's here's what I've seen. You know, it's like, I've seen this in families all over. They get that revelation. They're like, oh, punishment's bad because punishment means there's no love. Uh, We don't want to punish. And so they overreact. And instead of figuring out what to do, they go, I just don't want to punish. I don't want to partner with fear. I don't want fear in my home. I I want love in my home. And so what they do is they go the complete opposite direction and then they don't discipline at all. So, and I think this is what we've seen in the generations that have uh, usually the, what's it called? The pendulum will swing completely one way or the other. So you have a whole generation of kids that grew up um, all boundaries, not very much freedom. So boundaries without freedom is control. So now you have this whole generation that grew up with control and they go, you know what? We don't like being controlled. We don't like living in fear. We don't like doing the right thing so that we don't get in trouble all the time. We don't like living with that mindset of behave or you're in trouble. And so they swing the complete opposite direction. The pendulum swings. They go over there and they're like, you know what? We're just going to let our kids do everything. Well, freedom with no boundaries is chaos. So Boundaries with no freedom is control, but freedom with no boundaries is chaos. Hebrews 12, this is a crazy verse as well. This verse is so wild to me. It says, this is uh, Hebrews 12, 7 and 8. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. King James Version, King James Version says you're bastards and not sons. So I know it's a crazy word. But basically yeah. this is saying if a child grows up without discipline, it's the same as living without parents. Having that in our hearts, I think, going into it helps us a lot because sometimes we react to the whole like, well, if I spank, it's punishment. Not necessarily. Well, if I ground, it's punishment. No, no. Those you can set those boundaries. You can bring those consequences from a heart of discipline without without having punishment there.
2: So in the book, you also talk about generational patterns um, and how to break them, and and uh, how breaking them had a lot to do with our experience with God. Um, but then also kind of linking that up with triggers or things that have triggered you in the past. So just want to give you an opportunity to speak into that. You know, um, just share a little bit about. Yeah, how do you feel about breaking generational patterns? I think that's, um, especially in regards to parenting, I think one of the hardest parts about parenting is, you know, we all, for the most part, you know, become our parents yeah. on some level. Um, unless we submit to, to Christ and, and really let God kind of shift us and move us. And, and sometimes there's stuff our parents do that are really, really good. But even the bad stuff that we don't want to pass on, we can pass on. So how do we break some of these generational patterns? Yeah.
9: Your kid pulls your trigger and out comes whatever was loaded in. So if we're going to honestly talk about triggers, you have to talk about bullets and you have to talk about guns. Like, If we're just going to be intellectually honest, we, we all talk about triggers. Like, oh my gosh, I've been triggered. Oh my gosh, my kid did something. They pulled my trigger. But triggers are always connected to bullets and always connected to magazines, to guns. So all that to say... Your, a trigger is your kid does something and something else fires out at them. They pull a trigger and something comes out. And if we don't know how to actually reload our hearts and our minds, then, you know, the kid pulls the trigger, whatever. They disrespect you at bedtime. They don't, um, they don't listen to you. They flat out ignore you when you're calling them. And it's like, oh, my gosh, my kid is pulling my trigger. And this is where dads have told me, moms have told me, like, I read all the books, I learned all the stuff, I know not to do this, but my kid pulled that trigger and out came whatever was loaded in childhood. I thought I reloaded it when I read the book. I read that book, I took that e-course, I went to the conference, I took notes, I've done all this stuff, but then my trigger gets pulled and it's like I never even loaded it in the gun. And I, So I like to say, you know, Christians go to conferences and read books and we load up a lot of magazines, the bullets don't just need to be in the magazine. The magazine needs to be in the gun. And so for me, one thing that I found super important is to take the information that we learn and go into our relationship with God, take it into intimacy with God. You know, God told Joshua, hey, meditation's a huge part of taking your promised land. If you want to take the promised land I have for you, you need to meditate on my word day and night, meditate on my law day and night. It'll give you the courage you need and it will help you actually walk into what I have for you. So meditation to me and intimacy with God is super important. So you read the book, you learn new skills, you learn new tools, you get all these ideas, but then what you have to do is you have to actually load them inside your your heart so that when your kid pulls your trigger, that new thing comes out. Instead of reacting like your parents, you react like God. Take your information into prayer. Imagine yourself in the situation that pulls your trigger. Imagine yourself, you're at bedtime, your kid comes out, they're pulling your trigger. You actually want to begin to feel the anger. I feel angry because my kid just came out of bed for the 7,000th time this year. They won't stay in bed. I feel so angry. And then you watch yourself do the new skill that you learned.
4: Absolutely beautiful and great, great information. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I want to go to a place, and this this is is. Beautiful to me. What I want to ask you is, I want to talk about how you talk about um, the importance of not believing the lies of the enemy, because that's something that's really, really important to me. Is that we don't believe the lies of the enemy, but. On the other hand, when, when you're talking about not believing the lies of the enemy, not instantly going into rebuking or the declaration, you know, of the thing. And so I, my question to you is, can you talk to us or can you expound on how we can have a more effective response in situations like that?
9: Yeah. And I think most of us know, yeah, lies are lies are dangerous. So if I believe a lie, I empower it. And then I end up having experiences around that lie that make it look more and more true. And so, you know, there's people who are living complete lies, but they think it's true all because they empowered it with their belief. And that's how the devil operates is he weaves these lies in to our lives, no matter what they are. He'll weave a lie in, he'll tell a kid uh, or he'll say to a kid, you know, my parents really don't love me. And the kid hears it and they're like, wow. My parents really don't love me. Well, if they agree with that, now, now they they start to live that out. And everything that happens that's negative begins to reinforce that lie. And so we know lies are dangerous. Jesus said, uh, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You'll be my disciples indeed. And the truth will make you free. So truth makes free. Lies make bondage and, and prisoners and captives. And so we don't want our kids to believe lies. But one thing I've worked with a lot of parents on is Especially kids, parents who have a little bit older kids, like ten to teenagers. You know, the t- the kid will come and say, um, they'll start saying what they're thinking, what they're believing, what's coming at them. I, I just nobody likes me anymore. I'm I'm no good at making friends. And we're like, oh no, there's a lie coming at them. Actually, I've watched my child make friends their whole life. They're really good at making friends. But if they believe they're not good at making friends, then they start doing all these things to try to make friends. And they're performing and what all the other stuff that comes with that. But what happens is we see the kid starting to believe the lie. We see the lie coming at them. And we're like, oh, no, my kid's not going to believe this lie. And so we come at them. And I call it the hammer of truth. So I should have brought a hammer in here. But. It's like they take a nail and they put the nail up here and they go, you know what, mom, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm just not good at making friends. I'm horrible at making friends. Nobody wants to be my friend. I'm not good at making friends. And they hold the lie right up to their heart, like a nail. And we take the truth and we're like, that's not true. You're so good at making friends. You know how many friends I've watched you make? You know, And we try to convince them that it's not true. All the while, we're pounding it deeper and deeper inside them, and we don't realize that's happening. Now, of course, there's always a time to just flat out tell your kids, hey, actually, that's a lie. That's not true. That's not who you are. And there are times to just flat out go, no, here's the truth. You need to throw that lie away and get it out of here. Yes, please. There are times for that, but if we only do that, I, I've seen so many parents. I I talked to this one parent. I said they would just declare over their kid every time their kid would say a lie. They're dealing with. They're all emotional. They're all struggling, and the parent would just rattle off verses, declare, 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 attack, attack, attack. And I said, Hey, is it working? And the mom was like, No, it's not. Not working at all. Like it makes it worse. I'm like so, instead of telling them the truth why don't you question the lie? I'm not good at making friends. Oh, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. None of my friends want to be friends with me. None of them want to be friends with you at all? Yes, right. And so you just, instead instead of telling them the truth, pounding the truth in, question the lie, question the lie, question the lie, question the lie. Oh, well, have you ever seen any evidence different than that? Have you ever seen... Have you recently seen a kid that actually wants to hang out with you? Well, okay. All right, Johnny wants to sit with me at lunchtime. So, so yes, Johnny wants to be my friend. Okay, so wait a second. Potentially not every potentially you are okay at making friends. So what you're doing is you're just you're not trying to hit the lie you're just trying to wiggle it loose and by asking them questions questioning the lie you're teaching them how to do that later you're not teaching them how to just repeat a bunch of verses every time you feel bad every time you feel scared you're teaching them to actually go wait a second is that true wait a second is that really what what god says about me and 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 you're you're empowering them to live free from lies and get rid of them themselves so they don't need you to they don't need to call you when they're 25 years old and go, help me, help me, help me just speak truth over my life. They're going to do that. Sometimes it's important. Sometimes it matters, but you also want them to go, mom, you know what, man, I had this bad day at work. My boss was really mad at me. I started getting all down on myself, but you know what? I asked myself a few questions and I just dealt with it. I got rid of that. And now I turned my bad day at work into a great day. All of that to say, I think sometimes we come in so strong, truth, 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 truth. We actually don't foster a uh, long-term result that we want from our kids we want our kids to be oh man somebody said a hard thing not true you know somebody
0: wrote me a negative facebook comment not true thank you so much for joining us today and talking about the book i know there's so much more there's stuff on children and prophecy and God's alphabet. So many great tools that parents can use. Go get this book, Raising Spirit-Led Kids by Seth Dahl. And of course, Seth, we thank you always for joining us and being such a friend of our show. Yeah, thanks
4: for having me
9: again. Good to see all of you and be back with you.
0: Well, it's almost time to wrap up our big season finale, but not without one last surprise guest. And I'm so excited that he decided to join us. Let's bring him on.
9: What's going on, everybody? (laughs) What is
11: going
5: on,
9: guys? Bless your heart.
11: Oh, man. I don't know what, Joseph. I'm just here, brother. You just tell me what you want. I'm just going to. You tell me what you want. And I'm just gonna go. I'm just happy to be here. Freedom with style. Uh, a part of like life starts here. What we're doing is we have um we're venturing into kind of new merch and apparel, and we opened up uh, what's called Freedom with Style. So Freedom with Style is basically the merch and apparel side of Life Starts Here. Um, And the reason why the name is that is because, well, I mean, we're free sons and daughters of the Lord, and uh, we should be looking good because God is beautiful, right? And the reality is God desires to be able to have his hand in everything. And so the ministry that I've created is is completely evangelistic, right? So Life Starts Here is um, ultimately uh, an opportunity for people to come face to face with Christ. But Freedom with Style is a little bit different because it's an opportunity for people who maybe don't know the gospel, right, to look at something, whether um, whatever merch it might be, and it just looked good—beanies to hats to water bottles to sunglasses. It's a 40-ounce stainless steel awesomeness.
0: It's a conversation starter. That's anyway, how exactly. Start so that's
11: like it's basically supposed to look sweet, and you're like, "That's awesome! What is that? Boom!" Exactly. There it's exactly it. So
0: that's what freedom with style is, and so um, yeah. Uh, and, but lastly, anyway, Fa- and lastly, father, because I know you are so in the middle of so much awesome stuff. But thank you for joining us and sharing your reflection on what we should be, or what you're thinking of this Christmas season.
11: If death couldn't crush Christ, right? Well, neither can COVID, neither can suffering, neither can anything that happens right now. And the fact is, Christmas is still Christmas. Christmas is still the ability for us to enter into the gift to what God has done. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, without Jesus, without God, the father, literally going to his son and being like, Hey, like, will will you, like, if I gave you a body, like, would you suffer? Would you let them like pierce you and spit on you and reject you? Right. Would you let them do this to you so that like our people can know us and can have a relationship with us? Right. I mean, no matter what's going on in the world, man, like. The amount of love that God the Father bestows upon us in the midst of this world through Christ, it's its incredible. And what can happen is we can lose sight um, because, as you guys know, we have an enemy and he's all about stealing, killing and destroying. And he will use any means necessary to steal the blessings of Jesus in our lives And the reality is he will use even COVID and suffering to steal, right? The blessing of Christ himself, the midst of Christmas. And the fact is like, no, you can't, You, you can't, you already lost our focus. No matter what's going on in the midst of the world should never be right. Like anything, but the Lord, um, I think, uh, um, I think in the midst of the Christmas season, it's a beautiful opportunity for all of us to kind of go back to um, what John 15 says. So um, like, so he's like, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? Um, um, no, right. It's Talk about the reality of like uh, you can't bear fruit, right? Without um, the vine being connected, the branch being connected to the vine. Okay. So what can happen guys is we get so distracted and we forget Um, about the Lord and his promises and his truths and what's already happened. And the fact of like um, that we're living in the fullness and the gift of our Lord in this moment is we get distracted. And then what happens is, is the connection with Jesus begins to get compromised. Right. I mean, the reality is uh, if we are not connected to Jesus, we're not bearing any fruit, no matter what happens. Um, I think what we forget is our reality of the Christian life is meant to protect the connection. The evil one is all about what? I want to make sure that I can steal, kill, and destroy any ability for life to be given unto you, right? That I can choke you, I can suffocate you, I can allow you to begin to live in despair and discouragement and ultimately separate you eternally from the Lord, right? And so he will use all the difficulties right now to distract us from what's most important so that he can begin to hinder and sever the connection with Jesus. And so Christmas is an opportunity to refocus our minds and hearts on the connection. And this Christmas, I just want to allow to rededicate my heart to the Lord and say, Papa, I'm living for those words, not no words of COVID's no more here. You can open up your doors. I don't care about any other words that are going to be given unto me in the midst of this situation. The only words I'd be living for is, my good and faithful servant, come and share into your master's joy. That's it.
3: Lord, we've had some church right
0: now. I mean, All day. Oh, gosh. So I just want to remind people the ministry is called Life Starts Here. Yeah. Of course, we know that Father Frankie is on social media, yeah. uh, it's primarily TikTok, but also Instagram and Facebook. And he also has an app, Life Starts Here, with tons yeah. of content. He talked about making courses. Uh, so we thank Father Frankie again for yeah. spending some thank time
11: you. here. I mean, you guys are just such a beautiful job i'm grateful for you. you know i'm praying for you and um i look forward to whenever i get another opportunity to come on and hang with you guys and uh yeah just thank you i'm grateful for your love for our lord jesus
0: amen you're you can come back anytime, anytime. <laughs> i receive
11: it amen amen i'm, I'm, I'm sure i, I come and come with fire that's what i do I, ain't no, I don't know any other way you know what i'm saying listen if you can't handle the light let's wear some shades you know um awesome so some nice guys here, light. here shades Amen. Amen. Uh, talk to you guys, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.
0: Merry Christmas. As, as Father Frankie said, you know, this mm-hmm. has been a time where we can refocus on Jesus, and that is mm-hmm. what I'm doing this Christmas season. And what I am really focusing on is his, the message that comes out of Christmas mm-hmm. and that vulnerability of a baby. And I think that's a message for all of us because there are so, much, so many of us that feel vulnerable. Uh, especially in this year, but look Here. what power came out of vulnerability. I mean, I don't think that's an accident. What we were, what we were taught in in how God decided to come to Earth to save us, to give us the greatest gift of our salvation, and His plan has been bigger than every, everything I could have imagined this year. Oh, hey, hey Steve. you're breathing. That's exciting. <laughs> We told baby. everyone about the baby. Yeah. Oh,
5: Gosh. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah. Right. Our oh, our house is two sizes too small, but our hearts have grown three times in the last three Aww. days. So. <laughs> and uh, I just feel so incredibly blessed because I think this is an amazing ministry that you have. Thank Joseph. you.
0: And I'm so grateful for all of you taking the ride with me throughout this season and trusting me that we could get we could do this. Um, And I'm grateful to God who created this this new way of doing this that allowed this to come out of that culture of death, of the pandemic. And I want that to be a message for everyone as we head into Christmas. Always look to God because he is creating. He's creating anew all the time. And with all that said, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas from me and then from all of the panel here on The Full Life. And one last special treat before we leave, because this show couldn't be filled enough. Jenny and Carolyn have a song for us. So we'll let them finish. We'll let them finish and bring you into the holiday spirit. We'll leave you with that. And we'll see you next season on The Full Life.
10: Oh, come. O come, Emmanuel, you well. And ransom captive is hell that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou rod of Jesse,
5: free, thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people say, and give them victory o'er the grave Rejoice, rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee, O
10: Israel Oh, come thou day-spring, come and cheer thy spirits by thine advent
1: here.
10: Disperse the gloomy clouds of night. And death's dark shadow was put in flight. Rejoice, rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O wish. Rejoice, 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 Emmanuel Shall come to thee, O Israel. Israel